We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Eleven o'clock hour here on Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Nick Schwart with you. Reminder, Nate Taylor from The Athletic going to join us in studio in the 1 o'clock hour today. And coming up in about 8 minutes, we'll get to a pretty big basketball game that's happening. I know it doesn't feel that way because of the Chiefs heading to the Super Bowl, but there is Sunflower Showdown Part 2. Top 10 The Wildcats up. trying to get a season sweep on the Jayhawks, but they're going to have to get it done at Allen Fieldhouse this go-around, and suddenly the Jayhawks are 9-point favorites, which seems that's pretty, wild, pretty wild for a top 10 matchup, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. Our our KU Insider, host of the Wave in the Wee podcast, I'm sure has all kinds of thoughts on what to expect tonight. So we'll I get do. To that. Uh, oh, I was ta- oh, you're. I was talking about a different insider. There's a different person who hosts yeah. the Wave in the uh, yeah. podcast with the exact same name as me? You need to sue, man. Copyright infringement. Someone's trying to copy your, your podcast. His name's Someone Matt- at the station, actually. No, his name's Matt Galloway. He's been covering Kansas for way Wait, so what? long. Wait, huh? he doesn't cover. He's not on the beat yeah, anymore. <laughs> he's not. No. no. So why are you he's invoking not, him? He's yeah. a friend of mine. <laughs> he's not even in the I industry just wanted to, like, anymore. So I knew taking you knew strays at random people. Yeah, in dude, Kansas what is City? your problem? I wasn't taking strays. I was saying he's going to steal your job. Hey, because he knows Kansas better than you. Hey, stick oh, around whoa. after the break. Oh, did you hear that? Stick around after the break. We need to talk again. <laughs> this is. We just got done talking. <laughs> now we need to get to talk again. We're going to be. I like Matt. He's really nice. Things are going to be rocky before we even head to Phoenix. This isn't good. It's been a long time coming. You know time Let's hash it out. Let's sit next to each other on the plane. I actually can't. Share sit, you can take middle seat. I <laughs> share an armrest. Because of our conversations about airplane etiquette and what Nick believes should or shouldn't happen on an airplane, I so badly, especially with the weather forecast on Sunday of 70s in Phoenix, I really want to sit next to you and wear shorts really it's short. It's going to be five degrees when you're getting on that plane at six in the morning. I'll get in the airport and I'll change into shorts if I have to. <laughs> we know Nick, Nick. You're going to go into Nick, that, that single hole bathroom, which probably doesn't for, even work. They just like stop taking care of the airport. Yeah, at this yeah I'm pretty point sure too. they should. laid like, off the entire uh, uh, custodial uh, yeah, staff. I'm pretty sure the, <laughs> the water, they just shut it off in the airport now for until just the a, 20th. There's just a pee corner. Until the 28th. No, a Nick. Bucket with some water. Nick has made it clear. He, he thinks it's weird that people, he does not like people wearing shorts next no, to him on an airplane. No, just werewolves like you. Just people with hairy legs. And so, just so I'm to, okay. My legs are really not hairy. Yeah, they're nice and silky smooth. As long as you shave them before the flight. Before, <laughs> before. <laughs> shave them. They're just not. They're not nearly as hairy as gold. I want those things buttery soft. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> like that. Now we have to talk. We have a whole other conversation. <laughs> Can we just fold that into the other talk? But yeah, yeah that's fine. just so you know, if you're if you're a Chiefs fan and you're heading to Phoenix, uh, any flight you take, go ahead and wear shorts. Be comfortable. Be it's comfortable. Be warm where you're Especially going. Especially if you somehow end up on the same plane as Nick. 
Just make sure you, you wear shorts and make Ooh. them as uncomfortable as possible. That's the goal, and let us know how that goes. Also, we'll be able to witness Nick trying to cut in line firsthand. It will not happen. It will not happen. I've put that I've put that life behind me. Oh, oh wow! Congratulations, yeah. man! Turned over a new leaf. That's that's yep. big. That's big. First yep. dry Jan- dryish January, and now you're no, not cutting uh, no, lines. No, th- no, I didn't cut at all in 2022. Well, the second half of 2022. Progress. There was times in 2022 where I didn't cut. Let's okay. put it like that. All right, not 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 too bad. All right, let's get back to the Chiefs though, because there, there's so many areas you can point to, like how do they get to this point? But I think it it does still have to go back to what they were able to get. Uh, production-wise from multiple players, we talked about Brett Veach a little bit, but the, the biggest reason this season the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, okay, Tyree Kill in last year's AFC title game even, seven catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Somehow they were able to, through draft assets that were acquired via that trade or free agent signings, because of get, the money available, hypothetically, yeah, you're not paying Tyreek. Get more production. So, like, this isn't a saying that Tyreek Kill wouldn't have had 100 yards in this game on Sunday. That's not what I'm saying, but... MVS gets 116 for you. He was one of the guys you needed to help fill the void, right? Sure. Uh, Then we know with some of those draft picks, they get Trent McDuffie, who when he was matched up with Jamar Chase, he was awesome. He was really good. Six six tackles, also had two pass deflections, and they really weren't able to go after him as long as he was covering And his single most impressive play might have been when he broke a – Broke off a block and tackled Jamar Chase in the open field. Because that was a massive problem in week 13 for the whole defense. They could not make open field tackles of Chase in particular. And they, from the very first play of the game on Sunday night, it was, yeah, it was Trent McDuffie making that tackle. And then Carl Loftus, another part of the draft, another part of the, the assets you get. Uh, he gets you a sack in the AFC title game. And then Joshua Williams uh, has a, a huge interception, of course. Like, I- I, and I, I think that all of those things matter. Like, I was trying to look at this from an aggregate. Where the Chiefs are is a season, and how did we get here? Because there were certainly times this year that we doubted their ability to get to a Super Bowl. But once we got about halfway through the year, we were like, okay, this team's good enough to go to a Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes is having an MVP year. Are they going to be able to do it? But in this game is the aggregate for the season outside of Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, who I know is going to be maybe the single biggest reason for any team ever. It was the depth at defensive line. Not just Chris Jones, who was a monster in this game and the biggest reason they went, but this year, the fact that they were able to put together this many quality defensive linemen on a line together is why they're in the Super Bowl. Chris Jones was a monster. They added another quality defensive lineman in George Karloftis. They signed another quality defensive lineman in Carlos Dunlap. Frank Clark was back. Michael Dana had a really nice year. They've gotten good contributions from Colin Saunders. They run seven or eight deep on the defensive line. We usually talk about that for teams that are deep, like really deep along the line. So I think a lot of times we think of that as being the elite level groupings of that. And I didn't think that the Chiefs were going to be that deep in the defensive line. They are, if not like maybe Philly might be the only other answer. The deepest team. Anybody over two and a half sacks, two sacks, Saunders, Dunlap, Dana, Clark, Karloftis, Jones, in addition to the safeties and stuff. Even Turk Wart before he got hurt was getting some some pressure. So it's like the depth has been a huge boost for them. Well, I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but if you're, if you're able to get that production from all the guys you just listed out, well, then suddenly it does take all that pressure off to a certain extent of your secondary. I thought it was a huge key in the, the game on Sunday in particular where it's not as if Spags didn't blitz. We know he likes to blitz, but he wasn't forced to as much as maybe he would have in prior years because you have to manufacture that pressure. They were able to get it with Frank and 
George Karloftis and, and Chris Jones. And, and Mike Dana had what he got held big time on one. Mike Dana was about to get a sack himself until a huge holding call that he drew. So, I mean, that they didn't have to bring Snead off the corner for a blitz multiple times in the game. Uh, and then that for therefore that also, of course, protected your secondary. And then when Snead goes out, you had Joshua Williams step up and, and come up with a huge play. Brian Cook, short term memory, right? gets beat pretty badly, gives up a, a big catch to chase. Then late in the game, he's the guy that popped the ball back up in the air. So Joshua Williams could get the interception. Yeah. So I just think th- this defense is a whole plain and simple, much better than where they were a year ago or t- you know, that that's what it is. And especially in retrospect, it's so easy to see how much better they are defensively. And what's exciting about it is all the rookies that are involved in this equation. So yeah, they're going to have to make some decisions about the long term and the money Doesn't for Chris Clark. Jones and start there. And, and, and yeah, there's going to be some and decision there and, and you know, do they bring back Thornhill and all that, but McDuffie rookie, Carl Loftus rookie, Brian cook, rookie, Josh Williams, rookie, Jalen Watson, rookie. I mean, think about that. What, and, and, and the roles that they all played to actually get to this point, it's not like, Oh, only one of them. He played a little bit. No, I mean, McDuffie, we just went like huge role, huge reason why they're where they're at. You know, Carl Loftus obviously continued. He came on strong from about week 12 on. He was a different player. Something clicked. Something clicked. All well, then playoff rank showed up. Well, the depth really starts to show now because some players are playing even better than their regular season selves. But they were they were deep all year long. Like the corner, that, that's what protected the rookie corners. Like go back through and say all these things about the defense. Like they had to start Jalen Watson and Trent McDuffie and Joshua Williams. They let go over Shad Fitton in the middle of the year. They can't do that unless they're deep at the defensive line. Look, the offense is a machine. Maybe I'm just guilty because, like, I watched this game and it's the same thing. In a game in which I'm like, you know, the offense could have played a little better. Could have put up some more points. And really, it only came down to this game, their inability to score in the red zone. Because at the end of the day, the, the ball was moved. Patrick Mahomes moved the ball well. The only thing the Chiefs offense couldn't do in this last game was run. So they got themselves in a lot of third downs and they still got 50% of them converted. Yeah, that running game will be something I'm sure next week we will talk about a great deal because they're going to have to run the ball better against Philadelphia, plain and simple because of the multiple pass rushers that, that Philly's going to have in that game. That's a next week conversation. I get it. But like that, that rushing, like if there's one thing, if you're taking out of the game on Sunday that you're still maybe, you know, concerned about, they will to me have to run the ball better against Philadelphia. Like that, that to me is almost a non-starter in, in that, in the game uh, coming up in a couple weeks. This is going to be one of the largest splits between run pass percentage and NFL history. I assume <laughs> the chiefs pass like 65, 35 and the, I think it's like 60, 40 and the Eagles run like 60, 40. So it's going to be like an entirely different game than as far as like how these two teams approach, how they go about business. We'll get to the trash of the day coming up in about eight minutes or so. But tonight, there is a huge basketball game in Lawrence. The Sunflower Showdown Part 2, KUK State. We know uh, the Wildcats got the overtime win, that late alley-oop to seal it against KU in Manhattan a couple weeks ago. The Wildcats, number seven in the country, K-State number eight. I'm surprised just how this line has ballooned up. The Jayhawks opened as a six, six-and-a-half point favorite. It's at eight-and-a-half at FanDuel right now. The Jayhawks favored. It's at nine or nine-and-a-half at some spots. That seems way too high. The Wildcats looking uh, for the sweep of the Jayhawks for the first time since 1983. That's the last time they slept, uh, swept, excuse me, uh, Kansas. I don't think Bill South's getting out coached in the final six minutes of a game twice in one season. Happened last time though. Last, like you said, last, I know you yeah, said twice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think that's happening again. That's why it was so notable because it stood out because it just usually doesn't happen. I don't believe that, especially at Allen Fieldhouse, that that will happen. However, I think eight and a half points seems pretty rich to me. That seems quite a few points considering it's a top 10 matchup. I think case the, the 
the big thing in this is obviously Kansas knows what this game is for, but for, you know, Kansas has won the league 900 times, right? I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's not an accomplishment, but it starts feeling like winning the AFC West for Kansas. It's a small accomplishment for Kansas state. It is a massive accomplishment to win the big 12. Similar as I mentioned, like with the West, like if the chargers were to win the AFC West, what an accomplishment would be for them. You have to think they're getting the best version of K-State this weekend, right? The difference is, and like I run into this with Kansas a little bit. I think I know Kansas's strengths and weaknesses. I just don't know what K-State is great at yet. They have outperformed any of my expectations for them this year already, but I'm really trying to decide where they are great. Is that the problem? I mean, I still don't think nine. I think nine points is insane. But when I watch these two teams, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out for sure what Kansas State wants to be, even though they've been incredibly well coached this year. K-State, Kansas just has all the talent in the world. So you always just feel like Allen Fieldhouse, all these things are going to win. But if K-State gets the upset, they're probably winning the Big 12, right? Well, just still for me, like in this game, like who's stepping up? Who else is stepping up for KU? I mean, Jan Wilson in a losing effort scored 38 in Manhattan and they lost. That's pretty much Kansas's theme this season. And, and so I was like, can, can who else is going to step? I mean, I, I'm not saying Jan Wilson's not capable of giving you 30 again, because why not? Uh, he's been that type of player this year, but still I, somebody else is going, they're going to, you know, they're going to need somebody else to be part of the equation. I know Nick's a big fan of Grady Dick, uh, who he, uh, I think, Lost last a bet week, on? Last lost weekend? a bet on on Saturday. Yeah, by half a point. That's half a rough. Point. That was brutal. Yeah, you go back to that that first K State game, and Kansas was sort of reeling at the guard spot. Dewan Harris had a horrible shooting night. Kevin McCuller had a horrible shooting night. These aren't offensive players. You don't need them to score twelve to fifteen points, but you can't have them be absolute nothings on offense, which is what you got not just from one guy. But from two guys, and on a team that doesn't go deep into their bench, neither one of these teams do, right? They are loaded in the starting lineup. You can't afford to have two of your starters be that abysmal offensively, knowing there are no reinforcements coming from the bench. Meanwhile, K-State, Desi Sills had like 20-plus points in that game. So that was the difference in that game. It's just that you need to get contributions, like you said, Gold, from more than just the two guys that you count on. Well, what's weird, though, I was just looking at where the the, num- the number is for Jalen tonight. So he had 38 in, in Manhattan. His over-under is only 21 points, or 21 and a half points for the game tonight, which... Well, that's about his season average. I, I, yeah. I know, but man, it's just like in a, in a rivalry game, I don't know, I just, that seems awfully low to me. Now, how many free throws are we going to see? I mean, that was part of the story in the in the matchup. What, 60, like 68 or 64, so something like that? Became a foul fest for the final was, like, 12 uh, minutes of that game. 67, I'm sorry, 67 free throws in the overtime uh, contest back in Manhattan. Just, just out of curiosity, we're like halfway through conference play right now. Yeah. I know where they're ranked, so let's. I'm not asking where they're ranked. I'm asking how good of a – you're definitively sure they're a top what team? Who? Like Kansas and oh. Kansas State. I think Kansas is clearly a top 10 team in the country. Everything this year would suggest that. They have one of the league's best players. I think Kansas State's more like a for sure top 20 team. Like, I'm not sure. I feel like they're still outperforming themselves a little bit based but how on the long talent can we keep, level. How long can we keep saying that, though? You not know what long. I mean? Like, like, I mean they're playing it, the it, toughest it, conference it, in college basketball, and they're it, holding their own. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tomorrow's February. You know what I mean? It's like tomorrow's yeah. February, and, and certainly, if, I mean, if they win tonight, it would be, I mean, there's no well, argument. Well, then I have no um, argument. Yeah, none. I, yeah, I think K-State, like, is a, if you're, like, predicting it from a bracket standpoint and, like, where should they be seated or how far you think they can go into, like, to me, sweet 16-ish, if not more. Like, that's where I'm at with K-State. Right now. I think Kansas has a higher ceiling as a team, but I, I, I don't think that Kansas is a definitive top 10 team. Like you, you think said. they're more like 15, 20? Like well, Kansas no, State? I think what they are is they have the ability to become one of those elite six to eight teams in the country that has a chance on going on a deep run in March. But as of right now, 
you're 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 a long ways away from that because you don't go to your bench at like yeah. an abysmal rate. They you're talking about like bottom the sixth t- guy almost. I think in conference play, they're averaging like six points per game from their bench, and ten of those like Zach Clements had ten off the bench in one game. So the fact that he's their best bench player, by the way, is not good. Well, I don't know who their best bench player is because <laughs> that's how him, little that's they're getting. <laughs> so I think for Kansas, you know what Kansas does well. You know what they can do at an elite level. Like they move the ball incredibly well. They can play really good defense in the backcourt. But they're still a few steps away from being that top 10 team. K-State's kind of in the same boat where I know that you're good at a lot of things. I don't know one thing that you can hang your hat on game in and game out unless you're like both of these teams. You just say, hey, you got two guys who can score really well. But as a team collectively, I'm not sure what either one of them do at an elite level, which you have to have. You have to have something to hang your hat on if you're going to go on a deep march. Right? Although, in fairness, I mean, that's the whole thing about march. We normally just say, have good guard play. That'll carry a little while. I mean, both of these teams have that. The problem is you might run into the Jordan Bell game where your size all of a sudden becomes an issue, right? Like, if you can't do those other things, then maybe you run into a problem. But guard play will carry you a certain distance in the tournament, won't it? I mean, just being like, we can score, and those two guys can score, and we'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, we say that all the time, but then like, you see a team with a great backcourt get pounced in the second round. So... I don't know if right. there's really much rhyme or reason to it. I will say this. I want to push back on anybody who thinks that, like, the Big 12 is getting decided tonight or at any point in the next week. I've seen Texas blow a three-game lead with a week to play. I saw Texas Tech lose four of their last five games in 2018 when Kansas was down one, ended up winning it by two. The Big 12, year in, year out, gets decided with about a week and a half to go. And with all the good teams, there's, like, six teams who are in the race to win the conference. Yeah. Like this game, yeah, it could be a big swing game, but this isn't this. This game tonight is not deciding who's winning the Big Twelve, or it's not eliminating a team from contention. No, I, I do think it might be down to three teams, though. Like if we're if we were forced to pick who the three are, I mean, I, I do think it's Kansas, I, K- Kansas State, and Texas. Yep. Yep. Okay. See, I still yeah. think I think Baylor, I think TCU, I really? think Iowa State, they're all in it. Well, if you like Baylor, you can get them at fifteen to one still. Yeah, they're only two look. games out. Yeah, you can get Baylor at fifteen to one. Uh, the favorite right now is Texas, actually, over on FanDuel to win the. The Big 12 Conference, 2-1 to one odds, and KU's plus 250, K-State plus 350. Should be a great one uh, tonight at Allen Fieldhouse. All right, let's get to the trash of the day. Trash of the day. Let's go to Dallas for this one. You guys like Dallas? Actually, a big fan of the city of the Dallas. The Big Fun. D. I, I'm a fan of the city of Dallas. Have you been to the Dallas Zoo? I've not. Cody? Uh, nope. Well, the uh, they're asking for help from police in Dallas because two monkeys have been declared missing and believed to have been taken from the zoo they are emperor tamarind tamarine monkeys they were accounted for as of 350 or three o'clock they were not there at 350 in the afternoon so that again the as of 350 they were not accounted for so they so just lost monkeys the monkeys are gone they said the it's quote uh, clear the habitat had been intentionally compromised so someone stole the monkeys how do we know the monkeys didn't just climb over Well, because it says, according to police, the habitat had been cut. So unless the monkeys found a way to cut. Oh, they're caged Monkeys are in. pretty smart. They are. They're one of the more smarter mammals. It says uh, the monkeys, which would be expected smarter, to know? stay close to home <laughs> in <you>. untampered <laughs> circumstances, were still unaccounted for as of 350. The zoo was closed Monday due to inclement weather. It's not expected to reopen until Thursday. But there's more history here that this has had. This has been some issues at this zoo. Back on January 13th, a four-year-old clouded leopard named Nova uh, had escaped from her enclosure. Clouded the SWAT, leopard? Yeah, the SWAT team found her on site. It's an endangered species. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Then, 
A 35-year-old endangered vulture okay, was found Okay, what the dead. hell, dude? And zoo staff quickly deemed the cause unusual. What is going on at this zoo? $10,000 reward if you can find the monkeys. This is like a Jason Statham heist movie. It's that or it's like, call up Ace Ventura, man. We need a pet detective. You know, no, you know what this is? This is, this is gone in 60 seconds except with, with animals. <laughs> Hey, we got to steal. Got a list? They got a list. Yeah, Eleanor? they got a list. They got a <laughs> list of animals that they got to steal, or else somebody's getting killed. Why did they kill the bird, though? The bird's name was Pina. Maybe the bird was just a threat, you know, standing okay. in the way. Somebody, can you like? I mean, people are saying on the text, "I'm making money off the monkeys," but who are you selling the tamarind monkeys to? Black, black market, man. Black market people. Oh, do you know a guy? Remember we played this game? <laughs> no, like, we don't know guys, but if you're in the okay, monkey so trading business, you, you might so know a guy. If somebody, monkey trading business? If somebody gave you an illegal monkey to own, how long would it take you to find a buyer? Uh, dude, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If you, you just, had to, You just though. keep the monkey? If you had to find a buyer. Well, you'd, I would go through. I mean, go to Craigslist immediately. Well, you got to find like, ways Craigslist. to post this. I don't know. Find a drug dealer. I feel like drug dealers maybe run in the same circles as animal dealers. They're probably like, yeah. Just, just the. the yeah. I, I find it hard to believe that it's not someone that works at the zoo. How else would you? How else would you be involved in this? How like, hard is it to break into a zoo? <laughs> it's not a bank. It's it's not. Cody doesn't have any advice on this one. Which is interesting because you know I, mean? I feel like a zoo probably has it, like, just as many valuables inside of it. Like, how much do you think these monkeys are going for? I don't know. It has this cool like mustache looking thing on its face. It looks pretty. Like, heavy. A, could you sell a monkey for a hundred grand? No way, right? I don't know if they're rare. If they're, I mean, think about How it. How rare of a monkey would it? Well, have think to be? about it. If the, a if, white mustache tamarind, six thousand dollars on this random website. That's it. Six grand. That's it. That doesn't even seem like the juice that, is worth the squeeze. That's. I this, mean, if it's just a quick snip, the. And cord, what website is this? Monkey. eBay. No, this is exoticanimalsforsale.net. dot <laughs> Okay. Oh, so this is that's, the legal kind. We're we're dealing black market stuff. Price goes up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can you can buy some nice you know some nice monkeys. Oh, Cody, show fund. <laughs> we don't have $6,000 anymore. Dude, what if we had a mascot? We'd have a little tamer monkey just run around the studio oh, the during the show. Put him in a the, tiny uh, Cody and gold t-shirt. And a diaper. You guys can get a 10-week-old female spider monkey for $12,000. I just don't want anything 12, that can... I don't want anything big enough to where it could kill us. Hmm. Okay, so yeah, we want like, like a no small... Like no chimpanzees, one. you know? You mean you don't want to... That would be intrusive. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, I didn't know this website existed. Who knew? You could, you know... Get Joe Exotic well, if we got just like a little, a nice little capuchin monkey. Could sit on Gold's shoulder during the show. <laughs> Where's a diaper? We could take it <laughs> on out the to video show stream. events. Yeah, dude, it'd be great. Great for content. You can stay at your apartment. We'll We're... take turns. Yeah. I'll get him on the weekends. My kids would probably love Cody's it. Cody's got I multiple imagine. patios, so he can have That's them up on true. the patio. You could just, just turn... live outside. Well, you could turn one of the patios into an enclosure. Man, I keep hearing a cat meow outside. It's like 10 degrees. I'm like, am I supposed to do something about this cat I hear? You know what could take care of that cat? A <laughs> monkey. Well, I'm not trying to scare the cat off. I just want it to live. Well, it sounds like it is living. Uh, for how long, man? For how Someone long? Someone says these these type of monkeys, they claim are 25000 each. Someone on the, our expert on the, the text line. I our monkey expert. Monkey, our monkey guy. Monkey expert. The monkey guy's on it. Someone else says six k. Now we got multiple prices. How's it work? When you buy something on the black market, How do all you guys know how much tamarind monkeys are going It's this for. thing called Google. I'm sure the same thing that we were doing. I'm <laughs> guessing. Get someone from the KC Zoo on the line. 
find out. Let's take time out of. I already week. have a contact there <laughs> due to the last time I tried to get a uh, a monkey named there. Here, Nick, here's Georgie, it. Porgy, Here we go, Nick. Didn't right. work out. First thing we do when we land in Phoenix, we're gonna have you become our zoo correspondent for a day as well. You go to the Phoenix Zoo and you do some research there, and by the end of the week, you tell us what plan you would come up with to take a monkey. That's what. That's how I'm gonna have to spend my week in Phoenix. Figure it out, man. Doing recon work at the zoo. That gets how. That sounds way fe- worse jobs, dude. You could be like at, working <laughs> in a steel mill right now. The Phoenix oh, Zoo. What are you complaining about? Okay, Cody. I could be working in a steel mill. <laughs> Do they? On, on, honest question. I'm going to get crushed for this. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Go ahead. Are steel mills even a thing anymore? <laughs> yes. Phoenix like, Zoo looks like a nice place. You feel like that's way. a job that only existed in, like, the Rockefeller era? Yeah, like the <laughs> 1930s and, like, there's eight-year-olds. Yes, of course, there are still steel mills. You still need the st- manufacturing of steel. I don't know. I thought maybe robots did it or something. I don't. I mean, I'm sure that like robots do part of the work, but I don't think it's just been eliminated as a hey, position. Look, the Phoenix Zoo actually has a tamarind. They have one. There you go, oh. Nick. Okay, there there's we go. A, theirs is a cotton top one. I don't, actually, it's actually kind of cool looking. Actually, uh, look whoever gets the most points, I haven't decided how we get points, and can get access to the Wait. can can use the show fund. Points? A thousand points for stealing the monkey. Right. What do you mean points? We're just randomly assigning them. Like, whose line is it anyway? No. Okay. okay. Four things. On the show? Uh-huh. But you, a thousand points for stealing a monkey. All right. Someone says <laughs> that. I mean, you just debuted this point system 30 seconds ago, so I don't know how to feel about it. You don't know if a thousand points no. is a lot or a little? Yeah, Nick, there's... there's Doesn't no. it sound like a lot? I mean, yeah, I guess. In what context? Someone says call Jungle Law, and they got one. On, they oh, got a monkey true. available. That's true. Is it a tamarind? No, doesn't look like it based on the photos. All of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, gold def- <laughs> monkey expert. Now you can identify types of monkeys. Well, I'm looking at a photo of what one of these look like right now. That doesn't match the, the one. He's from like, the no, first. that's not the guy we're looking for. <laughs> Let's hear that, or you can you can steal one of these foxes, Nick. Go for it. Let us know how that turns out. They seem meaner. I'd stick with the monkey. That's the trash. Hey, let's stop monkeying around. Let's get back to some sports talk. Let's get back into why Brett Veach deserves even more credit today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. 
Chiefs Kingdom. This is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It is the Chiefs Red Half Hour, brought to you by Greenway Ford. It's a new day, a new way at the all-new Greenway Ford. Reminder coming up at 1 o'clock, Nate Taylor from The Athletic going to join us in the studio. Hopefully you caught the Nate Taylor show last night. Of course, get his thoughts on how it all came together for the Chiefs to end up in another Super Bowl. And we'll have next week to, to dive into the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit with him and, and what actually has to happen. But I would imagine he would totally agree that the roster being assembled with so many rookies and how much it, how much they've relied on them is a huge reason why this football team is in the position they are. They had the second most games played among rookies in the entire regular season, combined 154 and they've used 10 rookies in the playoff game so far, the two that they have played. And we saw in this game, they weren't just playing. They made some of the biggest plays in this particular game, whether it was a return from Sky Moore, obviously the interceptions from Williams and, uh, and Watson. And we know Isaiah Pacheco, while the rushing total yardage-wise wasn't high, but when you combine it with what he did in the receiving game, uh, he, he was a huge factor in this football game as well. And yeah, Brett Veach, if you're going to have the cap hit that Mahomes is going to provide, and if you're going to eventually have probably... This year is big. It's $45 uh, million. Yeah, if you're going to have a cap hit that maybe what Chris Jones is going to end up taking up uh, with a new deal, you're going to have to draft well, and he's drafted more than, more than just well. Uh, he's been able, with what, six players or so accounting for a huge chunk of their salary, he's been able to put together a roster like this because of how well he's drafted. 20 of their 22 picks, basically, have, he's nailed. Pretty much 20 of 22 over the last couple of years. That's insane. <laughs> that's, a, that's an impossible hit rate. So, like, Dan Wetzel actually put up the exact numbers. So, the Chiefs have 53% of their cap space wrapped up in just six players. The Eagles have 25 players accounting for 53%. So, the Chiefs have... Because six, they got a quarterback on a rookie exactly. deal. This is team building done two different ways. Absolutely. And so, Kansas City's been able to do it because over the last three draft picks or draft years, 20 of 22 picks have either been starters or played or still, you know, still involved in the organization. That's how you get it done. So last year when they had a ton of picks, these are the guys that regularly contributed for this year or just straight up started. McDuffie, Karloftis, Ryan Cook, Chanel, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheco. Kennard and Izzy Johnson didn't really matter for this team. Wow. what? A, what? Are you, <laughs> oh, no. One fifth and one seventh round pick didn't matter. Last year, I think the only two guys who haven't mattered are Cornell Powell. And Joshua Kando. We know Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey are starters. Noah Gray is a serious contributor, and Trey Smith is a starter. So we've got three starters only having six picks on that entire draft. And then even go back to the year before, and it's the same thing. Gay, Sneed, now Dana looks like such a better pick. So another 50% success rate. When you go year by year, you find out just how quickly Brett, this is how they've been able to manage it. But I, I, I do worry a little bit about like catching up with you. Like, is there a certain amount of talent? I don't know. You're at the Super Bowl, right? But the Eagles are so talented. They have so many weapons. They get to have so many weapons. The reason why they get to trade for and pay A.J. Brown is because they have a quarterback on a rookie deal. And obviously, they do not regret putting it all in with Jalen Hurts this year and what ended up being probably a runner-up MVP season. So he's had a great year. And defensively, they're loaded. They got more top-end talent than the Chiefs defensively. And it just starts to feel like, God, is it like, is it asking too much for the rookies to drive you again? Well, what, what, do you got to define what you mean by talent, though? 
because you just laid it out, like 20 of 22 picks that Veach has hit on the last two years. Like, at some point, we have to stop making caveats for guys like Isaiah Pacheco and Jalen Watt. Like, these guys have come up huge in yeah. massive moments. In these, yeah. these aren't yeah. one-offs anymore. Trey McDuffie doesn't look like a rookie to me. Carloftis doesn't look like a rookie. Those just seem like viable NFL I mean, Trey players. Smith, I mean, we, we think about the oh, seventh-round yeah, picks. Smith. you got Trey Smith in the sixth round a year ago. So in the last two drafts, you've got three starters in the sixth or seventh round. That is stealing. That is like stealing. When you get high-level starters at rounds where most guys aren't even getting roster fillers. Dano was a fifth, and he's like a really good rotational defensive end having his best year. The groove that they are in as a front office. I mean, obviously, Brett Veach is the general manager. He's going to be front and center of this, but... Clearly, the whatever formula, whatever they, they see in their scouting department, however they're evaluating guys coming out of college and what they believe will translate to the NFL and then paired up with, of course, good coaching, it, they're doing it better than anybody else in the league right now when it comes to that. And, and it, they're doing it at the perfect time, too, because you, you have to, considering the cap uh, issues that, that other teams with quarterbacks on this kind of salary would have. You have to do it, and they're exceeding all those expectations. It's a huge reason why, of course, they're in this Super Bowl, and you bring up Jalen Watson a little bit. You can make a strong case. I think it's pretty simple. The three biggest interceptions of the entire season have come from one player, and it's Jalen Watson. Go back to week two against the Chargers, a pick yeah. six. We obviously know last week uh, against the Jags, huge pick of Lawrence, and then he just had one in the AFC title game for crying out loud. So three of the biggest picks of your entire season have come from a guy that were, was drafted this past season. For as much as we've been like, hey, they need a ball hawk. They need a guy who can just go get the ball when they need it. I don't think I was expecting Jalen Watson to become that player for them. Jalen, like when you need a turnover, the first guy we ask to do it is Jalen Watson. Look, if you need a sack, you ask Chris Jones. But if you need a turnover right now, the answer to the call at the, at the current moment is Jalen Watson because he's made those big picks over and over again. The To me, this game is why, like th- this last game against Cincinnati, they were without their best corner. Legereus Need has had a Pro Bowl caliber year. He's been really, really good. They lost him early in this game due to injury, and they were stuck having to go back to Joshua Williams. But the good news is, is because... Joshua Williams had had to play earlier in the year when Trent McDuffie was hurt and they were doing these other injuries. It's not like he had just stepped into a new world. Trent McDuffie had to be their number one corner and was. I know that we were like, I was probably banging this drum like week eight or nine. I told you by the end of the year, he'd be their best corner. Trent McDuffie is great. So be very clear. Watch Trent McDuffie play and tell me he's not going to end up being one of the league's better corners. He can do everything. I know his height seems like a thing. I that that play, yeah, but, that's, but you've been dealing with that forever. You talked to we talked. It doesn't to him seem at, like it impacts uh, his ability to play the position. Yeah, we talked to him at training camp. That was one of the first questions I think we talked about is like his size compared to your standard corner. And he's like, that's something that I've been dealing with since he was in high school. People said he couldn't play big time college football, and he ended up, of course, going to, to Washington, which is got a great track record, by the way, of, of, of corners. Of, that might have been producing. another first-round pick that came from Washington. Yeah, Marcus corner. Peters, of course, and like so, they have a great track record of of corners coming out of Washington. And then here he is, and he's doing. It was even more impressive, honestly, about McDuffie's play in the postseason and what he's become already. Is that he missed so much time in his rookie season? A lot of times, if you miss significant time your rookie year, you might have to wait till the next year to actually have the impact. Yeah. One, they couldn't afford for him not to have that impact, considering where they're at with the secondary. But also, he did after week one miss. Six weeks, I think it was something like that. After that stupid Arizona, which turf. I still like. Have we? I'm ninety percent of the time they bring in new turf for the Super Bowl. 
They better, because that was a major problem. I saw problem. George Tomo was on site. That makes me feel a little bit better. You know, well, he's going, the best. Going back to Brett Veach, though, and we think about, like, looking at his sample size so far, and we did this this offseason of trying to figure out, okay, what's he going to do next? How is he going to handle roster construction, evaluating cornerbacks, drafting receivers, paying guys contract years? It's important to remember that now that Mahomes is on that second deal, we have to sort of evaluate Brett Veach differently, knowing that he has to go through everything differently. You no longer have the luxury of making acquisitions knowing you've got a quarterback on a cheap deal. And in seeing this, what is kind of the new era, like or chapter two of the Mahomes era, like this is Brett Veach sort of hitting his stride because you can you can argue about uh, draft evaluations when Mahomes was on that rookie deal the first couple of years. These last two years have been so good, and it seems like this is his zone of building this roster and finding this value to put around the top end. The good news is you can miss a year now, and it won't. Like, if you miss next year, you miss on a couple, it won't matter. Like, we're not – like, the Breland Speaks pick, right? That was the one that we discussed a lot. Let's say Sky Moore doesn't turn out. Sky Moore didn't really matter much for this team this year. He obviously had a huge punt return. He wasn't a huge wide receiver this year. There's certainly better rookie wide receivers. I'm not giving up on Sky. I'm just saying, let's say he doesn't turn out. He ends up being a 300-yard receiver, and they just move on. No matter. He hit everywhere. And do we get to you count? You miss picks. Do we get to count Kadarius Toney? As a part of this rookie class, I mean, essentially, it's not the rookie class, but it's I mean, he's certainly a second part, year player, it's, it's, and he only spent a third round pick on him, so uh, it kind of feels it, that it, way. Not the rookie class, but it's part of of Brett Veach's ability to continue to Use improve the roster, yeah, improve the roster. And and look, we also know the Chiefs typically are drafting twenty eight to thirty two, and this year they're going to be drafting hopefully thirty one. There's only thirty one picks. The Dolphins cheated, so there's only thirty one. So the Chiefs will be picking thirtieth <laughs> or thirty first in the draft. Like that, that also doesn't make your job easy when you're trying to then the next year re- rebuild through the draft. Like and do that every year. I know, and that exactly. That's what makes it even more impressive at this point is that you're you're going to have late first round picks. Essentially, you have a second round pick. I mean, you're picking third. You basically have a second round pick, and and you're trying to fill voids on your roster. And let's not kid ourselves; they don't have a ton of guys actually under contract next year. Like they have some big decisions. That's an off season conversation, but they got to find out their le- their left tackle. Are they going to what I would do now? Are they going to tag Orlando Brown Jr. again? That's what I would do. By the way, seeing four two when you have seeing, this many young players, you're paying nothing. Seeing where the franchise tag dollar amount is, I think sixteen mil, but then it, it's more because it's the second year in a row. I think you tag Brown again. But are you going to do you need to figure things out at right tackle, uh, or are you willing to run it back again with Wiley? There's some decisions they have to make there, but you got to feel great about who's in charge in terms of going into a draft right now. Who's doing it better than him and Howie Roseman? And ironically enough. They're both in the Super Bowl as general managers. But seriously, who's who's drafted better in the last two years than Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, and Brett Veach, the general manager of the Chiefs? And None. they happen to both be in the Super Bowl, doing it different ways, but they're both in the Super Bowl. I just it's hard to imagine any no team relied on rookies more this season than the Chiefs. So that that's a Brett Veach conversation. But it also talks about their growth. They got better. There were times this year where you're like, I don't know that I want Joshua Williams playing every snap or important snaps. If that came down to it, I think like a quarter of the way through the season, we're like, eh, Leo Chanel's fine, but I don't know he's going to play snaps. I don't know that I thought Cook was going to play meaningful snaps. Cook helped tip a ball that ended up in an interception. Mm-hmm. It's like all of those guys are working seemingly in tandem. The youth movement is very strong. It's funny because like the old guys on the team, like Patrick Holmes is one of the old guys on the team right now. He's 27. Like Chris Jones is still under 30. Travis, you know, like. Travis Kelsey really is the old guy on the team. Absolutely. And he's, he might still have seven years of productivity left. Who knows? Now we're up to seven. We've bumped it up. You hear that? Yeah, we I have don't bumped it up. Now, it was five years, and now it's up seven ah. more years. You know what? I now he's going to play when he's 40-something. He's going to play when yeah. he's 41 years old. Why not? 
Why not? There's nothing that indicates why, it's going the other not? way. Yeah, I think he passed Gronk, didn't he? On, or passed Edelman, I'm sorry. He passed Edelman for like yeah. most postseason yards. Second most or something like that. Yeah, pretty he's behind crazy. Jerry Rice pretty much for every major statistical category. But that's it. I mean, it's just him and Jerry Rice, which if you're keeping company for a receiving stat standpoint, pretty good. Did you see the video thing real quick of Jerry Rice? So he was at obviously the, the Niners playoff game in Philly this past weekend where the Niners lost. But yeah, before the game, uh, some fans, it's Philly. It's a you know, Philly crowd is fun. And they were trash talking Jerry a little bit. And he he embraces that. So he was trash talking a little bit back. And so finally he just smiles and then he pulls out this like pouch. And I guess maybe he always carries this with him, pulls out this pouch and pulls out each ring one by one, and man. puts each Super Bowl ring on his finger. There is no and, way and he carries that with him everywhere, right? I, I, don't, I don't know, man. He, he brought it to the game, so he was obviously yeah. prepared for he this He has moment. his pouch, and he puts him on, and he holds the hand up, and he basically just walks <laughs> He just walks, just walks out with that. It was in, You should watch the video. It's phenomenal. I mean, you can't really say much to that if you're... It's so good. No, he's the greatest wide receiver of all time, and he's got... He, but I want to know, yeah, like if, if we ever have a chance to talk to Jerry Rice, because uh, sometimes he does Raider Row stuff, I'm fascinated. Do you think he carries the pouch of the rings everywhere? Find out. Or That's, at least just to like big games. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll just see if he has it on him, if he's there. Well, that'll be the first question then you can ask. Where's your pouch? Where's your Is there a more pouch? definitive answer for any sport if you're just individualizing it to position than greatest player at their position than Jerry Rice? No, it's no, cut it's and dry. That's the most lock of the century, right? Other than like Wayne Gretzky or something? It, it's so cut and dry. I mean, the, yeah, he pulls out all three of the Super Bowl rings and he was an MVP of a Super Bowl, obviously. I mean, like you just go through all the accomplishments that he did and nobody, nobody's, nobody's touched what he's yeah, done. Some of his yardage do, records are untouchable. They are. He's like 8,000 yards ahead of the next closest guy and stuff. It's stupid. I didn't want to try and turn this into a Jerry Rice conversation. No, I saw, you, meant, you said his name, and then I yeah. saw the video, which I thought was. Now I'm going to have to find it. You should. You someone, someone says on TikTok. I know Cody's big on TikTok, so you can pull it up on your Pulling TikTok it up now account on Twitter. if you would like. Uh, there is some news still coming out around the coaching carousel in the NFL. We can get to uh, what's up with the Broncos, who they can't find anybody to take their job right now, seemingly. We can get to that in a little bit. But there's some noise around Eric Bieniemy from a coordinator standpoint. The latest has to do that the Baltimore Ravens have also requested permission. That was late over the weekend uh, that Eric Bieniemy he hasn't accepted the interview with them or the Titans. That, that might come in the next week or so or maybe after the season. But to be a coordinator, and if you're going to give me the option – of choosing to leave if if right now he shouldn't have to do it, but I think we're at a point where it might be the best thing for him to become a head coach somehow is to leave an offense coordinator post to go be an OC somewhere else where you can call the plays and run your own offense. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. Between Baltimore and Lamar Jackson or Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill, I am obviously would prefer the destination that involves Lamar Jackson, but I would need those assurances, right? Like before you take that OC job, you would need to know, if the organization is actually committed to Lamar Jackson or not, I don't want to be the OC for Tyler Huntley. I need, I'll be the OC for Lamar Jackson. I would say, yeah. I mean, I would definitely want that answer. And I think part of this might have to do with Lamar Jackson having a little bit of a say, which they said before uh, they were going to give him on this decision. But I look, I, I told you before, and I still feel that way even more now. I think there are going to be too many opportunities for Eric B not to leave to think he's going to stay. And Baltimore is a perfect example of that. That's a great fit. You can get way more credit than you do here for being the guy who solves it. They'll let you, you know, call plays, be a part of the play calling, be a part of the play design. If you bring Lamar back, 
to MVP caliber Lamar, which all you actually really need is just Lamar to stay healthy and then he'll put up big numbers. You'll get a lot of credit for that. And sadly, at this point, whether we've said before it's deserved or not, because it absolutely is not proving you can do it in any other organization is going to go miles. And there's no like there's no more like what is other than okay, so Philly's on the list, Kansas City's on the list and Baltimore. Like what are the most stable organizations in the entire NFL? Pittsburgh as well. Yeah, They're going to let you do your job, right? They're going to fire a bunch of people. They're not going to move on from you too quick. Like, who are the organizations that are going to stand by you for a while as you work on this to get them better? And obviously, Baltimore is one of them. Harbaugh's not going anywhere. Like you said, Tomlin's not going anywhere. Kansas City, right? These are the places you know. Like, look, Vrabel seems very safe now. A couple more bad years, you never know, right? And their ownership isn't like the other ones that we just talked about where everything is stable and you know you're good. And so to me, I think there'll be enough teams calling. I'd be really tempted by Baltimore. I don't know if there's a better fit for him. Like, he he can go back to a little bit of that run-style offense that he certainly likes. He's seen it work with Alex Smith. He's seen it in the early, you know, like they've seen the way they use Patrick Mahomes. He's not used like Lamar Jackson, but... Like, doesn't that feel like maybe the best possible OC job he could take this offseason? He's still going to get out an of, MVP caliber player. Out of all the potential spots, yes. Other and than again, Kansas City, obviously. But Yeah, but again, if, if, if it's come to a point where somehow he needs to be his own play caller in another organization away from Andy Reid because he, he hasn't been able to get a job under the current role, like, at this point, like, what is going to change if he just stays where he's at? We can, this is a, it feels like the Andy Reid conversation we this, just had earlier in the show. It's like sometimes time just runs, it, runs its course. Well, it's just the acknowledgement. We all know like, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that Eric Bieniemy would have to choose that path to become a head coach, a possibility. But the current path is not working. And we've had plenty of conversations about why it may or may not be working. But sitting where he's at now has not led to a head coaching job. It's insane, but it hasn't. So don't you want to potentially find some path that maybe gives you, if that's still your goal, and there's no reason to believe, by the way, his goal is still not to be a head coach. Of course, uh, the guy, you don't interview just for the hell of it. So he obviously wants to be a head coach. 15 teams? No. So is it better for him to go elsewhere and be an OC? I, I think at this point the answer is yes. And then let's see what obstacles and phony crap people come up with when he succeeds as an OC in Baltimore. And then then people still don't hire him. Then what are, you gonna, then what are the owner's excuse going to be at that point in time? By the way, even if he doesn't get Lamar Jackson, have you considered the fact that Tyler Huntley is a pro bowler? And yeah. that impacting Eric Bietamie's decision. Yeah, look, it, it, it wasn't even uh, the Pro Bowl today. Two Nick. Pro Bowl quarterbacks in the same roster. It's unfair. Yeah, and for <laughs> what are you going to even do? Someone from the nine one three says there, there's reports that they're going to tag Lamar Jackson. That's fine. Reports of that today. Yeah, you can you can tag them, but still, like, are they actually? It was, anybody can tag anybody and still trade them or, or whatever, sure. right? So like that. Do you know? I'm not taking that job unless I know that you actually are not planning on moving on from him. Because I don't want to. I don't want to be the OC. I know we joked about the Pro Bowl thing for Huntley, but like I don't want to be the OC for Tyler Huntley. I want to be the OC Pro for Bowl a guy that won an MVP. Put some respect. I want. I, I want a guy that's an MVP in the past, which Lamar Jackson was. I hope he. I, I kind of hope he stays because I like the system. I think it works. I think Eric Bieniemy is really good for this team, but I feel like in order to get the opportunities he wants, he's going to have to leave. Like, and this yeah. happens all the time in the NFL. Not be uncommon. Eric Bieniemy is the third longest tenured offensive coordinator in the NFL, and that includes a situation where like. You know, like in Hart or in Shanahan, who calls himself the offensive coordinator, right? So it's like, in a weird way, McVay's it's like, the same thing. I yeah, or McVay. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. So yeah. it's like, you know, like in this case, he really is the only offensive coordinator who's been with his team this amount of time. The rest of them move around. Look at this year, in particular, this year with offensive and defensive coordinators all over the place. Jets let go of their guy. He's ending up with McVay. 
It's like everybody is moving around. And so, I mean, if you you could just be a part of that. And, you know, Kansas City's case, it stinks to lose the enemy, but you've got some in-house options, including Matt Nagy, who, you know, former head coach and former offensive coordinator for this team. Coming up next, we'll get to what's trending and something Andy Reid had to say yesterday about his time in Philadelphia and just putting everything in perspective and what Andy's been able to do in Kansas City. We'll do that together next. There's Kelsey to the end zone. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.